Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now prepare your hearts for a message from God's Word. I think it's so funny to hear our kids' perspectives, especially their perspectives on what we think we do for fun, or what they think we do for fun. Um, Laying on the couch, cleaning. um, Sometimes their perspective of what we're doing is very different than what's actually happening, and um, that's kind of what I want to talk to us about today, and about our perspective of God, and our perspective of what He's doing in our lives, because there's so many times where we wonder what He's doing, or our perspective of what He's doing is not what he's doing at all, and um, we get to look at the book of Ruth today, and it's a perfect picture um, of uh, being in a situation and not seeing God's hand at work, but then we get to see the picture afterwards of all the little things he was doing along the way, and I think he wants to speak that to every single person here today, that no matter what season of life you're in, that he is there, that he's working everything out for your good. Isaiah 55, 8 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. God's plan for your life, for my life, for our kids' lives, it's beyond anything we can imagine. So today as we take a uh, look at the book of Ruth, um, it's about two women, Naomi and Ruth. It's a story of great loss and brokenness. And more than anything, it's a story of God's hand at work in their lives and how he brings healing and hope, joy and significance for generations to come. One thing I think we all have in common, whether we're a mom or a dad or a single parent or just single in the season of our lives, is that we are all searching for significance. We want our lives to matter. And that's only found in God. He can make so much significance from the daily choices that we're making. So there's so many um, lessons in this first chapter. I'm going to briefly go over the last three chapters of the book, but the first, chap- first chapter really speaks to um, us in our everyday lives. We, can, we get these um, big pictures of the heroes of the faith in the Bible, but we get the privilege of seeing how God started in their life, what he did um, in the mess of their life, and how he redeemed every part of it. And I think for us, sometimes we, because we can't see the whole picture, um, we, we question if he's there. And so we get to walk this out with Naomi and Ruth um, and see what they did in their day-to-day Um, and the choices that they made that changed their lives. So Ruth 1 starts by telling us that there was a famine in the land of Israel, and a man named Elimelech left home to go live in the land of Moab, taking his wife and two sons. Um, This is important because we see that it didn't say in the scripture that God told him to move to Moab. It said there was famine in Israel, and he decided to move to a neighboring country. Um, In Israel's history, when they would start to wander and disobey and serve other false gods and idols, God would allow their enemies to come in and oppress them, or he would bring famine to the land so that they came to a place where they knew that they needed God, that they needed to repent and call out and ask him back into their lives. And so instead of staying in Israel and seeking for God's provision, he leaves and he goes um, seeking in a land close by. So shortly after they move there, Elimelech dies, leaving Naomi and her two sons there. They end up staying, and her two sons marry two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. And after ten years, they don't have any children, and then both of her sons die too. 
So we find Naomi in a time of great loss. She had lost her entire family. She lost her livelihood because the men were the ones who provided in that day um, for their family. And then she also lost really any hope of the future. Her family line was, was dead with her two sons and, and her husband. Um, she really was in a hopeless place. And maybe some of you are in that place today. Maybe you've had great loss in your life. Maybe you don't feel like God can do anything in your pain. But what we'll see through Naomi's life is that he was directing her steps all along, that he brings her back to a place of joy and fulfillment when she's under his care. And um, I believe that's what God wants to say to us today, that he's working to redeem our lives and our situations despite our perspective of what's going on, our perspective of him, and our perspective of ourselves. I think our, our life is filled with, full, it's full of seasons of joy and pain and heartache, but he's working in all of that to do something amazing for our children and for generations to come. See, we're all broken, but suffering and struggle, it reveals to us our great need for God. I know as a mom, God t- says that to me daily. I feel like I don't have the patience I need, or I feel like I have all these shortcomings, or I look at other people around me and I think, oh man, somebody else could parent my kids way more or way better than, than I can. But it's become a reminder to me to seek God and to find strength in him instead of trying to do it all in, in myself. So those have become gifts to me, reminders daily to seek God. So you can turn to the book of Ruth or it'll be on the screen. Um, in verse, verses six through seven, it's that we find Naomi when she's lost her two sons Um, When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. I think the, the first and greatest lesson we can learn from Naomi here is that despite her pain, despite her hopelessness, when she heard that God had moved in uh, her home country, she had all of her strength together and she got up and she left. She took, she took steps towards God. Um, and I think that that is something that we all can do. When we find ourselves in places where we don't, we don't know what to do, our pain is overwhelming, our stress, our fear is overwhelming, that our first step is always get up and take a step towards God. I think when, I, when we first moved back here and I was trying to find a gym and getting back to working out, um, I think of this because the gym I found had these classes that they offered because I don't push myself at the gym, never have. And so I need help. <laughs> and so I knew if I could just walk through the door, that's all I had to get the strength up to do was walk through the door because I wasn't walking out because it was a class full of people. And then I knew the instructor would push me more than I could ever push myself. And so I think like that's the same in our relationship with the Lord is sometimes we try to think we have to do all this stuff to get close to God when really our first step is in the morning opening our Bible or being here on a Sunday and hearing his word because it's his word that changes us. We can't change ourselves. We can't change our perspective. And so when we take a step to get in his word and in his presence, that's where he can change us and change um, our, our kids and our perspective of everything that's going on. Um, this was a defining moment in, in Naomi's life because this is where God is able to really start um, redeeming all of her loss. 
And he, he works it out for her good, but first she had to take a step towards him. So somewhere along the road, they're, they're on their way back, um, and she must have just been thinking and maybe doubting herself and what she could offer her daughters-in-law. And she stops and she says, you need to go back to Moab. There's nothing I can offer you. Um, there, there's nothing I can do for you. And they both say, no, we're going to stay with you. Um, but then she keeps pushing them. In, in verse 11, she, but Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons? who could become your husbands, return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. I think this is another picture of how Naomi's perspective um, was not on eternal things and she couldn't see beyond that moment. Because the amazing thing is, is that they weren't, um, Ruth wasn't following her for another husband. Um, Naomi and her family had changed Ruth's entire life. Um, see, Ruth came from Moab, and Moab didn't serve God. Ruth didn't know God. She had no idea who the true God was. They served all sorts of different idols and gods, um, and their, their main god was a god named Chemosh. And actually, human sacrifice was a very common thing in their culture, that she may have grown up in fear of becoming a human sacrifice. Second Kings tells us that the king of Moab sacrificed his own son and didn't have any remorse in sacrificing him. So the culture and life that she had come from was dark and lost. And Naomi had come and brought so much life to her. Um, I think Naomi completely underestimated the, the effect that her life had had on Ruth. That it wasn't just her sons, but that Ruth wanted to follow her because... Uh, Naomi had changed everything. Her faith, her God had changed the entire direction of Ruth's life. And I think the same is true for us, that we get caught up in our, in our pain and we get caught up in um, all the ways that we fail as parents, as friends, and we feel like there's no way my life is having an effect on the people around us. But I think the amazing part is that, once again, in our weaknesses, there are greatest tools because we seek God, and then he's made strong and he's made known because there's no way we can do the things that, that he enables us to do. And know that your life is making a difference in your kids' lives. Your faith is making a difference in your kids' lives, even though you can't see it. They're watching you, and they, they see so much more than your pain. They see so much more than your um, short temper or whatever it may be, which is what I always feel like they see. And so he, God is working in and through you in ways that you, you, don't even, you, you don't even understand. So Ruth says to Naomi, or Naomi tells Ruth, look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. 
Ruth teaches us to put our faith and trust in God alone. That she, her faith wasn't in Naomi. That her faith wasn't in what Naomi could offer, but it was in God. She knew that God had so much more to give, to provide, than even a husband could. That, that the life that she found with God was so much more. I think it's easy as parents to get so fearful for our kids. Um, we choose to be filled with fear. We choose to feed our fear. Um, we, we doubt ourselves. We compare ourselves to other parents. And they all rob us of this faith that needs to just be anchored in God. Um, when we focus on God, when we focus on our faith and our trust in Him and who He is and not who we are, um, then we can realize that He alone is sovereign, that He has um, us, that He holds our kids, that He's directing our life and their life. Um, and I think the greatest thing is that He gives us a perspective to see beyond this moment, to not just focus on the here and now and the um, the exhaustions and frustrations that, that there is an eternity, that Jesus is coming back one day and that we can look forward to that. And it helps us, it directs us as we parent. It helps us see beyond the moment. Um, it also gives us courage and freedom to walk into unknown circumstances um, and free from the comforts of this world. Because when we let go of that, that's when God can truly do amazing things in our hearts, in our lives, in our kids' lives. Um, the more we're consumed with the things of this world and the things that comfort us here, the less, um, the, the purposeless, more purposeless lives that we lead because we can't see beyond the moment. We're too busy just trying to do what's in front of us. But when we grasp that there's so much more that God wants to do, that there's so much more um, of eternal value that he wants to do, it just helps us to see beyond the moment. C.S. Lewis said, if you read history, you'll find that Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought the most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. And that's so challenging to me because I think we all can get lost in just the dailiness of life, the daily tasks, the daily things that we do, and we lose sight of the, the greater picture. Um, I think my, one of the main things I remember from driver's ed, one of the only things, <laughs> I remember they would teach us that when we were making a turn to look into the turn, not to look like feet, you know, a few feet ahead of you, but literally to look into the next road and that your car would just automatically go there. Um, and it, it feels awkward, it feels weird instead of just looking in your path where you're driving, but it's so true that as we focus ahead, that if our eyes are on eternal things, it helps every step along the way. Because when we focus on God, he literally leads every part of our life. Um, and then the last thing we can learn from Ruth is to really invest our best where it matters most. Um, I'm so guilty of this, and the Lord has really convicted me lately, is that um, I give so much of my energy or my emotions to stuff that doesn't matter or things that don't matter. I think social media is great, but it can so easily and so quickly consume your emotions and your heart and your time, and you, you don't have a lot left to give to your children or to the relationships that really matter and that God really wants to move in those relationships he's placed in your life. Um, it's just being wise with your heart and your energy and, and the things that you give yourself to. Um, God's entrusted each one of us with certain relationships, whether you're a parent 
and it's children, um, whether you're single right now and it's friendships and coworkers and whoever it may be in your life, God has appointed people in your life and that there's great purpose that he wants to bring in and through you to them. Sometimes we don't know who those people are, and I would just encourage you to just ask him, who's he calling you to? Who does he want you to give your best to? And just not to be distracted by the things around us and what people are doing, but to fully live with a conviction of what he's called you to do. Um, Because his provision, his timing, his purpose, and the way that he restores everything is perfect. And we get a glimpse of this with Ruth and and Naomi. Um, Over the next few chapters, what God does in their life and the purpose that he brings is, is amazing. In Ruth, the last verse in the first chapter, it says that they get back to Bethlehem just as the barley harvest season was starting. So immediately, God is meeting their physical needs. Because what they could do in that day, Ruth would go out and gather all the leftovers after people were harvesting. So God immediately provides uh, for their physical needs. And in the very next verse, introduces this man named Boaz. He's a close rela- he's of close relation to Naomi. Um, and in that time, there would the closest relative would marry um, a widow of, of the family. And he would carry on the name of the, the, the husband that had passed away. So we see Boaz now comes into the picture And the Bible is clear to state that he's wealthy, that he's prominent, and that he's a man that loves God and follows God. So God immediately brings a man to um, redeem all of Naomi's story. So her family line is now, it's continued on. Only God could do that. And only God would bring somebody to Ruth to marry her, a man that was, um, that loved the Lord. The scripture tells us that they have a son and it brings life and joy back into Naomi's life. Um, that he restores Naomi's family line. And then with Ruth and, and Boaz, um, the Bible tells us that they're grandparents to the great King David, that, um, that just a couple generations later, that one of Israel's greatest kings in history, a man after God's own heart, came from their line. Um, I think this is such an encouragement because when we give God everything, um, he can take it and use it in a way that we could never do on our own. Um, I have a quick story that we want to share with you from family in our church who God has done this and is continuing the work through their story. Jesse and Brent Rossman, um, let's take a look at their story. You know, I don't know if there was a moment. It was kind of a process that we went through. I think we tried a little over a year, and I was just working with my standard, you know, primary doctor, and went to her, said, hey, you know, hey, we didn't know a lot uh, about infertility, but she said, you know, you've been trying for X so long, really probably should be pregnant, and at that point, she basically said, that's it, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to have kids. We weren't ready to take that for an answer, um, and, you know, we went to multiple doctors where we were told multiple times that we had less than a 1% chance of ever having biological children. Yeah, I don't know that there was any one point where we just kind of, you know, broke down and realized it was going to be not happening or an incredibly difficult process for us. It was just kind of a slow realization that it's not going to be as easy as everyone else around us seemed to be making it. After years of trying, 
I was sitting in a basketball coaching conference downtown, and she texts me, and it was just kind of this, she didn't tell me over text, but it was kind of a, oh my gosh, I can't believe what just happened type thing. Like, I didn't believe it. Like, I knew what she was saying, and I, I still didn't believe it, and so. He came home and basically was like. Yeah, I, like, even, even after seeing the positive test, I was like, well, there's false positives. You know, at this point, you know, somewhat cynical and jaded and didn't really want to believe it just because I was like, oh, it's, it's not, I, you know, you don't want to get your hopes up after they've been dashed so many times. That was in, I think, September-ish time frame. And then uh, <clears throat> a few weeks later, my mom went in for her annual mammography and um, found out that she had breast cancer. And then um, that was a Tuesday. And then later that week, we found out that my dad had brain cancer and had surgery the following Monday. Um, so that was a trying couple of months. Um, so because of all that news, we actually ended up telling our families a lot sooner um, than we'd originally planned because everybody needs some good news. And uh, eight months later, we had Kaya. I mean, in that moment, it's so hard to see what what's God's plan, what's his big picture, but, you know, like I said, now I can look back. I know why we had to be stronger. To get through that, what was it, October to June, the, those eight months, I mean, there's no way I could have done it without God. Um, I mean, I, because I had to be there for her, I had to be there for my mom, who was, you know, going through her own struggle, trying to take care of my dad, um, you know, and just everything that that was going on like I, there's just no way the whole eight month period God was there and there's no way I could have done it without him. God's really used my story and Brent's story, our story to outreach to other people too. So I've worked with gosh half a dozen probably infertile women and um, helped them in their journey if nothing else gave them uh, a voice, somebody they felt like they could trust that, that has gone through the same thing um, and I think that that's one of God's purposes behind all of this for us. I think that God has the same purpose for each and every one of our lives, that there's so much purpose to the struggles um, and that he can see beyond today. I love it. They had a 1% chance of pregnancy and only God came in and he did the impossible. I love that he gave them... Um, that joy in the middle of their struggle of his parents being sick. Um, his dad did pass away about five months after Kaya was born, but his mom has now been cancer-free for five years. Um, and then he gave them another daughter, Nora. So he continues to work in them. He's continuing to work through their story. And I think it's only be the beginning of what he's going to do. And same for you. Like God has so uh, such deeper plans than we can ever know. And the story of Ruth and Naomi is not just a story of a thousand years or a few thousand years ago. It's not just the story of a mighty king that came um, from their line. There was a greater king that came from their line. Because in Matthew, it tells us in the genealogy of Jesus Christ that Ruth was part of his family line. So only God could take somebody um, leaving their country in full obedience and weave him into the story that changes our lives today. Um, there's still purpose a few thousand years later in our lives. Only God can bring that lasting significance in, in our lives too. 
So maybe today you're single. Maybe you're waiting to get married. Like that is a desire and, and you, you feel like you are called to be a wife and a mother. Um, radically commit yourself to the lives in your, to the relationships in your life. Work as hard as you can with the things that God has placed in your hand. Because all of that, um, he's going to use all of it for the good. And he will bring that. He'll fulfill the desires of your heart. Maybe today you're with your spouse and you're wanting children. Maybe you've suffered loss through miscarriage. Maybe you've lost a child. Um, take, uh, be encouraged today that those sweet children, that through miscarriage that you feel like it's just lost, that those babies are waiting for you in heaven, that there is hope beyond this world, that he, he will use everything for his glory. For parents of young kids, just cling to God. Um, ask him for wisdom. Ask him for strength. Seek him first in all your struggles. Let your shortcomings draw you to his presence and not um, make you beat yourself up and think that, that you don't have enough to offer. Um, for any single parents in this room, we walk with you and God walks with you and he will fulfill his plan for your life. And moms, you're making a huge difference in your kids' lives. You may think that you're not. You may compare yourself to the people around you, but just know that God has placed that sweet child in your care for a reason. So be encouraged today and know that he's working, that he's going to um, work in your kids' lives. He's going to work in your lives to change um, all, all the people around you and in their life too. Let's take a look real quick at what our kids have to say about their moms. Yeah. Go to Chuck E. Cheese. Go to Chuck E. Cheese. Go to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> when she, um, when at gymnastics, she like cheers on. She cheers you on, yeah. Uh, she keeps us safe. What do you mom do? And her hands when us walk on our sweet. That's a good one. What about you, Rice? What does your mom do to take care of you? Uh, she cook for you? <laughs> What's your favorite food? Does she cook? Mangoing uh, cheese. She um, throws football with me. She's always just working for us. She's never thinking about herself. She's really, I guess you could describe her as selfless. <gasps> she, she feeds you. you. She feeds you and does the dishes and helps you clean up. Um, she goes to stores. She bought me this for Christmas. Yeah. My mom bought me a skateboard too. Because she helps me with yeah. Why is your mom the best? Because she loves me. Because she, she helps me with everything. She cooks very good meals. Because she helps us. One, she loves us with all her heart. Um, two, um, she's really kind to us. And three, if you're ever down, you can always go to her and look for help. She always prays for us. Um, who does a lot of stuff for us? And we like it. She's pretty. Because she loves me. Because she's awesome. Because she's my mom. Do you love your mom? Yes. yes. Show how much you love your mom with your arms spread wide out. Oh my goodness, that's a lot of love. Do you love your mom? Yes. Yeah? I love my mom. Why do you love her so much? Because she's my favorite. I love her, 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 my favorite. Bryce, what, why do you like her mom? Because she's my favorite. How much do you love your mom? <laughs> that much, that's 
a lot of blood. Big as the sky. Can I camera? Big as the sky? Yeah. I love her so much. Like a tiny. I like, I like a tiny. Bigger than the world. Moms, from your kids, from our church, today, if anything, you need to know that, one, your kids love you. Desperately, passionately love you. They can't do life without you. You'll always be their mom. You'll always care about them. you always love them. Two, from our church, know that you're doing a good job. No, it doesn't always feel that way. It doesn't always seem that way. But you are. And that God has called you. Being a mother, being a father, it's one of the greatest callings in the world. One of the greatest responsibilities that we have. And just know and be encouraged today that whatever God calls you to, He will see you through. He will give you what you need if we turn to Him. As Jess said in her message today, when we put our focus on Jesus, we don't drift. We, we go in the direction that He has. And when we're following Him, the Bible's very clear that He equips us. He gives us what we need every day. The Bible says His grace and His mercy is sufficient for you. That it will, it will get you through those times when you don't think you can get through. God will pull you through. The love of your family will pull you through. But today you just need to be encouraged and know loved by God, that he loves you so much, and he'd never give you more than he thought you could handle, and that with him, we can get through anything. You know, I always think about, as a, as a dad, that my perspective, perception of God changed drastically when I had my own children, to think the love that I had for them, the instant connection that I had, where I literally would be willing to do anything for my kids, and moms, you know that feeling. Dads, you know the feeling where you, in a moment you, you lay down your life in an instant for your kids. And that's the same love that God extends to you and me, but on a level that we'll never understand and know that God is love, that he created you, that he loves you with that kind of love so much so when, when we needed help and when we were separated from him and and there was a gap between God and his creation and something had to be done to bridge that gap. A, a parent would go to any lengths to get to a kid who was in need and God did that for you and me through his son Jesus. But God's love was willing to sacrifice his son for you, for me. And Jesus willingly and voluntarily went to the cross so that we could have relationship with God, so that we could have a father and the Holy Spirit in our life to lead us and to guide us into all truth, to equip us to be the mom, to be the dad, to be the person that he's called us to be. If you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes and bowing your head with me, we don't ever like to close any service out here at Adventure Church without giving you an opportunity to respond to what God's doing in this moment. The Holy Spirit has a way to speaking to a, a group of this size, but in a very individual way. So this morning, if you are away from God, you don't have a relationship, you need to know that He loves you, He's not mad at you, He's not disappointed in you, He's a dad just wanting to be with His kid. But we have to take that step of faith, as Jess said, to Him. And by putting our faith in Him, the Bible says that as soon as we take one step, that He takes many more, and He meets us. And that as we draw close to Him, 
draws close to us. And so today, if you're away from God and you need to take a step to him, he's waiting for you. He's longing to be with you, but he has to wait for you. It's the way it works. You have to choose to put your faith in him. So today, if you're away from God and you need to make that choice, the Bible says that all of us are. And at some point, we have to confess our need for God and believe that he is who he says he is, that he does have a plan, that he does have a purpose, and to put our faith and our hope and our trust into him. And when we do that, he meets us with open arms. He embraces us. He says he wipes our past clean and gives us a new hope and future in him. So if you're here and you're away from God, don't wait any longer. He's waiting. Don't let this moment pass you by by simply confessing your need. And I will lead you in a prayer in just a second. You can be in right standing with him. He will accept you just as you are. So today, if you'd say, Kyle, that's me. Would you pray for me? I am away from God and I I need him. I want him. And I want to make a choice today to do that. What a better day to do it. So if that's you, would you just slip up your hand real quick? Just say, Kyle, would you pray for me? I need that. I'm away from God. Thank you. Anyone else? Would you pray for me today? Amen. Thanks. A few more seconds. Don't resist. He'll welcome you home. Anyone today? Anyone else? Amen. Would everyone in this room, if you believe this, just repeat this after me. Say, Dear Jesus, today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died for me so I could live for you. Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Can we rejoice with heaven this morning over the ones who made a decision? Uh, as we transition in time, as we're going to close out the service, before we do, I want to pray for you, for the, the moms in the room, for the dads, wherever you may be. I feel like Jess's message connects on many levels that you may be facing a difficult time today may be in a challenging situation in your marriage. You may seem like there's a lack of hope in some areas of your life. And today I, I pray that you would learn from Ruth's story, from Naomi's story, that there's always hope. There's always a Hail Mary with God to where we can throw our faith one more time into him. Maybe it's like Derek Rose bank shot. I feel like it's a long, it's a long shot, but you're never out with God. There's always purpose. We may not control how our story is written and everything that happens along the way, but I can guarantee you this. If you stay faithful to God, he will remain faithful to you and he will redeem it. The Bible promises us that he will turn everything into our good. We can't figure that out. Only God can do that through a supernatural power that he has, but he can take a situation as bad as Naomi's, losing her husband, losing her sons, and redeem it and turn it into purpose. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word, for what you have done in others' lives as we look to their example. God, I pray today for those facing a challenging situation. God, whether it may be trying to start their own family and have the same report as the Rossmans and they're just trying to 
to battle through that. I pray today that you would give them hope and I pray that you would give them faith to trust you. God, maybe it's a marriage that is struggling and it seems like these hurdles are going to be too big to overcome. I pray today for hope in that situation. God, that you would speak life into that relationship. God, I pray for parents who are single and facing a difficult challenge and trying to raise their kids. God, I pray today that they would be encouraged to know that although they may be single in their relationship status, Lord, that you are with them, that you will never leave them, that you'll never forsake them. God, that you can provide all strength and what is impossible in the eyes of this world is possible with you. God, help them to focus on you today. I pray for moms who feel inadequate, who compare themselves to others. Today, God, may they look only to you, to the plan that you have for them. God, that even in our weaknesses, that you are made strong. That I pray from the videos that we've seen today, that no matter how we may feel, our kids love us. I pray that moms would sense not only the approval of their children, but your approval, God, that you're proud of them, that you love them, that you're working with them and through them. God, we give our lives to you. You're a worthy God. You're worthy of anything that we could offer. And we're so thankful that you're a redeeming God who's always working to accomplish your purpose and to use our lives to impact those around us. God, enlarge our perspective today. Enlarge our view of who you are and how you're using us and how you're shaping us and help us to zoom in and focus on you knowing that as we do that, we will not drift to the left or to the right, but we will stay the course that you have for us. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name.